Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices News Talk radio program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. Our Reasonable Voice today is Benjamin K. Rowe, President and CEO of the Heifetz International Music Institute. The Heifetz Institute was founded in 1996 by concert violinist and teacher Daniel Heifetz who retired after a 30-year solo concert career to focus on educating the next generation of great young musicians through his pioneering cross-disciplinary Heifetz performance and communication training method, where students learn not only about acquiring great technical skill on their instruments, but also about how to be complete, expressive performers through instruction in public speaking, voice training, drama, yoga, movement, and physical conditioning. So, without further ado, welcome back President and CEO Benjamin K. Rowe of the Heifetz International Music Institute. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you, and I'm also thrilled to be on your program, Marcello. It's always a thrill having you. You know that. We chatted just briefly before the show that it, it seems that we, I reach out when the, the warm weather starts to come. <laughs> it must be something about the warmth of the arts. In any case, yes. <laughs> Ben, remind us of how your innovative and industry-led response to a global pandemic of COVID-19 and SARS-2 with the Heifetz Virtual Institute? Well, uh, it was uh, at, at this time last year, not to say we're not scrambling every year, Marcello, but we were really scrambling because we literally had to kind of pivot on a, on a dime mm. uh, to move our entire program online. And you know, now, one year later, that maybe doesn't sound like such a big deal, but I remember distinctly, not only were we nervous about it, but you know, if we cast your your mind back a year ago, you know, there was a popular conception that, well, you know, this little thing will come here and, you know, we'll have maybe six weeks of discomfort and then things will all be fine by the summer. Mm. And that was sort of the prevailing attitude. And when we, as a summer program, had to announce early on saying, yeah, we don't think this is going to change and therefore 
we're going to be online, that next sound you heard were the you know deflated ambitions of our students across the nation, yes. uh, who who we had just accepted for the summer program, and we, we told them we're going to create a great program for you. Mm. We think, <laughs> and, and we lost a few of the students, but we more than filled it up. So we wound up with having a hundred students across fourteen countries and nine time zones. Wow, um, forty faculty members as well. It was a scheduling, uh, let's just say, challenge. Yes. <laughs> um, but we managed. I think. Uh, I think all who were involved, our students, our faculty, our staff, came away saying, you know, we actually made a lot more happen than we thought we could. Mm -hmm. um, we had chamber music. We had lectures. We had private lessons. We had concerts. We did a concert every night because we also started a new digital concert hall. So. Rather than walking into uh, Francis Auditorium on the Mary Baldwin campus here in Stanton or the Presbyterian Church, the Shakespeare Playhouse, people basically could you know, grab their popcorn and their favorite beverage and cozy up to the big screen and watch us on their uh, home television or their computers or their smartphones. Yes. Wow. Well, you certainly came through it. I know that. And I, I remember you're talking to me about the, the challenges. It couldn't have been an easy thing. And of course, everyone is going through it, but I think the arts have especially been hit as we depend so much, not only on ensemble work, but on the ensemble of the audience. So my hat off to you and we're pretty much through it, I hope, but I won't jinx it. But, but, but what's <laughs> well, this? Well, I mean, Go we ahead. did manage to keep our heads above water when all was said and done, you know. Exactly. Um, which was a, no small challenge, but we somehow made it through. Yes. Well, congratulations on that. And I, I understand Heifetz is establishing a first ever Heifetz Ensemble in Residence. What's that all about? Well, that actually follows on to the statement that you just made, Marcello, about the fact that, you know, this pandemic has had a devastating effect on the performing arts industry. Mm. It's had a devastating effect on the burgeoning careers of our young alums. Yes. Who, you know, many of whom have literally, I mean, you spent your life training and perfecting your art to, to do what? To play before audiences. Yes. And then all of a sudden that is, you know, just pulled away from you. And what do you do? So it, it, we thought about that. We also saw that one thing that people have been talking about is the, is the mental health challenges people have had of kind of living this daily Groundhog Day kind of experience. Yeah. And then there's, of course, the folks in the healthcare industry. We started something last summer where we did a number of bedside performances for the patients at Augusta Health with our online students. Wow. And it was so successful that we came up with an idea that we uh, presented to the Augusta Health Foundation and they enthusiastically supported where we have actually brought here to Stanton an ensemble, a, a cohort of young alums mm -hmm. who weren't doing much, <laughs> as you might imagine. Yes. And they, I've actually now with our second group, but for six weeks at a time, which is the same length as our summer festival, mm -hmm. they are actually here together in their own bubble and that they are performing concerts both virtual and real and the whole idea we call it ensemble of residents or air because they're they're heirs to the tradition of what we're trying to uh teach at the highest institute as you so eloquently said in your introduction you know about how to become complete communicative musicians mm. so they're doing that not remotely but actually here in stanton where so for example yesterday we did a small concert 
about 50 people all masked up and all socially distanced in the new uh, performance Great Hall of the Blackburn Inn and Conference Center. The night before, we did one of our Hype It's on Tour virtual concerts where we usually go and perform with partners. This one was in Rhode Island, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, instead of doing the physical tour, we uh, played for their patrons, and the day before, we had played for the schools that we usually would go to in person. We've actually turned our downtown shop in Stanton into a a little uh, broadcast studio where they do these concerts. Yeah. I have to come see that. I like because yeah. <laughs> I've been yeah. there, but I but not since the renovation. Let's say. Well, so we're doing things both to support you know the community, yes, um, and at the same time we are also providing gainful employment because we're paying them for our young alums. Yes. So very proud of this program. In a way, it's sort of I would say the analog to what we did with our virtual institute with our Hypers on Tour program, where instead of barnstorming around different parts of the nation for a week at a time, which is what we've done in the past. Mm -hmm. We are taking that same group and energy and kind of freshness of approach, and we're doing it in a real context with virtual concerts, if that makes sense. Wow. Yes, absolutely. I hear what you're saying, and I just want to sort of add my two cents worth of to in support of that because I know many actors well well for that matter I'm writing a book I'm almost finished now I'm finishing the book of a new musical and we were all set to go when this hit I was only in Virginia to finish directing a series of videos for the Jefferson School City Center and we finished on March 11th I shouldn't say we finished, we stopped on March 11th because uh, we couldn't go forward with the remaining three videos, which we're now in production for, um, but uh, this year, 2021. But um, right. but I was only here uh, and was supposed to return to New York back in March to finish work on this book and with the composer and the, and the lyricist, and we had already held auditions, and, and then all of that's just like you, <laughs> we had to say, okay, how do we do this online? Yep. So um, I, I feel your pain and your challenge and oh, the overcoming of it too. I think that's that's the great thing. We, we get yeah. through it and we're still getting through it. I wonder right. what what's sort of the end goal of uh, the new Heifetz Ensemble in Residence? AIR, you call it, as an H-E-I-R? Yes. Uh-huh. That's correct. Yes, the Aries, as we call them now. Are um, you and the artistic director, Nicholas Kitchen, and you as president and CEO involved in this ensemble and residence? Uh, very much so, because okay. we're, we're, you know, we're giving them lessons. They're getting, in fact, one of the real salient points of this is that they're getting professional-level coaching and mentoring so that they're playing. At, I mean, these are all extremely talented alums who are, in essence, getting they're, they're getting the chance to play together again, mm. uh, which is actually a very emotional experience. Oh, I think yes. about that, that you think about playing chamber music, which is this conversation among friends that mm. no one's been able to do for a year. Mm. And suddenly, I mean, we did this concert yesterday and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating my cello. I mean, that people are in tears to yes. see live music being made again. Yes. You know, it, it really is a, a, a very powerful, very emotional experience. Yes. I can appreciate that. Both you and uh, Nicholas are teaching them. And, That's right. Oh, wow. What 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 do you teach? I know I don't think I've ever asked you that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I, I well, mean, I think I, I know well, what you teach, but tell us. Well, with my background like yours, you know, 
is a lot of that is in um, broadcasting. So uh-huh. we spend a lot of time talking to them about you know how to present themselves, how to project, the way to tell a story, how to make eye contact with, with uh, your audience, even, by the way, when that's a camera. Yes. And giving them some coaching on historical percentage points of view um, on presentation where I mean where they actually how they form themselves as an ensemble where they stand mm. we talk a little bit about we we do a lot of uh, media production of course here uh-huh. at Hyphenson so we're recording every one of our concerts not only are we live streaming them but we're also recording the videos of them so they're learning about that process as well and about how to do a retake and yes. what's what's involved with that so it's really quite it, it really is very much along the lines of our communication training you know I was going to say it sounds like you're you're fulfilling your mission uh, well, the, the whole artist <laughs> we are trying yes so were you always into video production or is this something that's come because of COVID have you always oh, video great, uh-huh. great question well I mean no, I mean that we. I'm about to enter. Uh, I came to the institute. Uh, my first summer program was in 2015. We sort of measure our years by how many summer programs we do. So mm. that means I'm about to, believe it or not, go into my seventh. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and so I felt coming from my background in broadcasting that we wanted to do more to kind of own and present and use our media as a means of recruiting yes so i'm here to tell you right now that the youtube channel which really was sort of dormant until then until that first summer we are at nine million seven hundred fifty thousand views right now wow Um, which you know for a (laughs) classical music channel and forty thousand subscribers you know that uh, and they're they are literally all over the globe it's just so incredible really is incredible. I did know very much about your YouTube and was always jealous and, and impressed. <laughs> <laughs> All at the same time. I just think that's incredible. And as you say, that's classical music we're talking about. Yeah, you, exactly. You deal primarily with string performers, yes? Violin, that's viola, right. Maya, that's right. Cello. Um, you know, we have some pianists, and of course we started two years ago. We've had to pause it. Um, our Baroque program, which we hope to re, re-energize next year. Okay. Well, it's been um, it's been something. Just uh, hearing you talk about it reminds me of all the all of this is taking place with people around the world. It truly is an international institute, and and at the same time, it's taking place in an area that incredibly beautiful and historically significant but not necessarily where I would expect the world to come for international classical music. But... You are correct, sir. (laughs) Yes, but I'm going to save that for the second segment. Let's take a short break now. We're talking with the president and CEO of the Heifetz International Music Institute, Benjamin K. Rowe. We'll be right back in this year of COVID, following through and, and carrying on. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Marcello Rolando of Rolando and Dresner Productions, here to introduce our new musical dramedy, A Little Place Called Earth, book by Marcello Rolando, music and lyrics by Larry Dresner. Here is one of the songs from our show, There Won't Be Any Band. 
by composer-lyricist Larry Dresner. From the Rolando and Dresner Productions' new musical, A Little Place Called Earth. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, and our guest today is the president and CEO of the Heifetz International Music Institute, Benjamin K. Rowe. Ben has been on the show before, and this is just as fascinating, albeit part of that fascination comes from their surmounting the challenges as many artists and and venues have had to go through and to adjust to COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, certainly the arts, even the sports, you know, uh, and I don't know much about sports, but I know they depend on crowds being there close to one another. And all of that has been, as we know, sort of locked down for the most part. So, Ben, I, I wonder about the 
Because you talked about, because again, I know artists who who also had just graduated from NYU when this all started, and then suddenly, instead of being able to get out and try and get their first job, they were locked in their homes. That's uh, right. But what what do you, especially if there's a new wrinkle here because of online necessity, things like Zoom, the imperfect Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially for music. But at any rate, the business of show business, because you teach so much of the Heifetz about being the complete artist. That also mm -hmm. includes the business of show business, yes? How to market themselves and how has that been impacted or grown or enhanced or how has it responded to the reality of a global pandemic? Well, I guess say that I would say the first thing is that one, one of the uh, aspects that we are all too, it's all too clear to us is that a student has four years in a conservatory. We get them for six weeks. Mm. So, you know, there's, and it can be six uh, profound and truly career altering weeks. But, but one of the uh, challenges that we have is that there is so much that we could do. Mm. There's so much time, but there's only so many hours in the day. Yes. And, uh, so we talk all the time about, well, should we add this component? Should we do this model? Should we do that? And we have to have the realization, though, too, is that we can't do it all. Mm -hmm. So there is mentoring. Actually, one of the great things about things like this AIR program, where we, we have five of our young alums for a period of six weeks, is that we can really now delve into some things. And, for example, forging a career is really one of the most important things. Because, as you well know, Marcello, the days of Saul Hirock being on line one, you know, mm. you win a competition and you're, you're set for your, your 200 concert engagements uh, a year. Mm. That just doesn't happen anymore. No. You know? So it's a completely different world. And to a large extent, the students that come here in the summertime, particularly those that, that are younger for the first time, they have never really had to contend with anything other than kind of dutifully you know, being the sh starting shortstop on their little league team and having lots of people applaud for them all the time. Mm -hmm. So suddenly, what that was what was so important about starting a virtual institute last year, which was, as our artistic director Nick Kitchen said, these are kids who are used to being the stars of their own lives, and mm -hmm. everybody else plays a supporting role. And suddenly, they're not the stars anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the world no longer revolves around them. So I think it is not to put too fine a point on it, but for many people, the last year really has been kind of an existential crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you do when, you know, you spend all those hours in the practice room for the payoff of performing in front of an audience? Yes. And when that's taken away from you, well, do you have the same motivation to practice? Mm. I think we both know the answer to that. Yes, good point. Now, on one thing that we did very much last year and will continue this year on the subject of the business of show business is that we taught all of our students how to become their own producers. Oh. Now, we would, do, we would do sessions about how to optimize their video camera, maybe oftentimes it was their phone, how to make a good recording. We actually sent them toolkits of uh, good USB microphones and headphones and peripheries so that they could actually learn how to make a good recording of their violin or their string quartet or whatever the case may be. That's really impressive. 
you know, I've had to. <laughs> I've even, I've even, well, I've cast many of my shows to begin with, but, but right. this whole thing of online taping and whatever, and doing it with the phone, and now I've become, I have to say, I've become very proficient at it. But it yep. took me some time because you weren't there yep. to help me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we would, you know, Nicholas Kitchen and I would spend hours along with other members of our team, though, at the computer, and I might have a student in Taiwan. I would say, okay open the file, click record. Now check the input there. You have to make sure it's input one and two. Yes. Now check the level there. Is it yellow or is it green or is it red? If it's red, that's not good. You know, and, and sort of walking them through the steps about how to do this, how to close the file, how to upload it, you know, as well as the more sophisticated nuances of making a recording. Yes. But these are equipping them with tools that they will be using for their entire lives. Yes. It will never change now. It will not go back. This will yeah. always be a part of the performing That's arts right. and everything else. And everything else. That's right. It's true. And I have adapted, I must say, but uh, it, was a, it was a lot of trial and error. And one of the things was because of a good characteristic of mine, I believe, and that is when I'm an actor and I'm a performer, I purposely take off that director's hat that I wear most of the time and concentrate on doing what the director tells me to do. Well, when they're not there and they send you an email and says, okay, we want you to audition for this, this, and this, and here's the breakdown and here are the sides, sides being the words for the audition. Right. Um, well, I know you know that, but uh, <laughs> the others listening may not. You know, it's a, it's a whole different thing. So suddenly I had to think like the one thing I really didn't, wasn't fond of, and that is being both director and actor at the same time. I, right. I would usually avoid that. But I now see that, well, we, we have to be able to. We, we are directors, we're actors, we're singers, we're violinists, and, and uh, we're performers, and we are producers in the final analysis. That's right. So That's there right. It is. There it is. Add anything else to that before I go to the next question, because this is fascinating. And, and of course, you can explain it from the artistic point of view and the business side point of view m better than most. So, Well, thank you. I, I do tell people, you know, in terms of the business side is that just because we're nonprofit does not mean we're pro-loss. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Okay. All right. That being said. Before we discuss your live streaming performances in more detail, maybe, remind us of the special relationship the Heifetz International Music Institute has with the Mary Baldwin University and the city of Stanton, Virginia. Well, uh, I think that you just, you've just summarized it in a nutshell, that we have been now, we're about to begin our, uh, wow, is it, is it, ninth summer on the campus of Mary Baldwin. Of course, last year we were virtual, but the Institute moved to Stanton in 2012, and that was our first summer here. Mm. And, um, you know, the the relationship, I mean, it's, it's just kind of a, a magical, potent brew that we have here mm. in Stanton, and that I think there's very much a recognition about what kind of engine these arts organizations have been for the economy and the tourism of the whole area. Mm -hmm. And and with Mary Baldwin, it's so heartening to see how they have navigated their way through the pandemic far more successfully than most, you know, having had two in-person semesters, of course, they're blended programs, but 
they have really worked so hard to mitigate the effects of the pandemic and to be really vigilant about monitoring that. And uh, we plan to do the same as we look to open up for this summer in a limited way. We have an excellent model to look at for what Mary Baldwin has done. Yes. So are you attempting, is that what you were saying, uh, attempting to do live performances uh, now or this summer anyway? We are indeed, Marcello. Okay. Uh, we haven't, we'll be announcing it in a couple of weeks. And if you need to have a radio guest to come back and talk about it, uh, uh, I think I know a guy uh, who could do that. Let's consider it done. <laughs> yes, let's schedule that for sure. Uh, but yes, we are finalizing plans right now for how we will have a limited which is to say the students will be here for three of the six weeks, but we'll be having different cadres of students kind of rolling in and out over the course of the summer, keeping the numbers down to reduce the risk, but at the same time, having enough students will present them in concerts on a fairly consistent basis. Not quite as many concerts as we've done in the past, but close to it. Hmm. Okay. That sounds good. I, I don't want to uh, forget about what I've been thinking about ever since I heard about it, and that, that's uh, the heartstrings, a partnership. Oh, yes. Yeah, a partnership with Augusta Health. Well, Augusta Health is the largest health care provider in the region. Well, and of course, they, they have their main hospital in Fishersville, as well as satellites all over the county and Stanton and Winsboro. And I mentioned this earlier in the, in the broadcast, but the Augusta Health Foundation is supporting our residency program, oh, yes. where for four days a week, our ARES are giving bedside performances, yes. where they actually play for patients and frontline workers in the entire vast network, uh, including COVID patients, of course. Mm. And last Tuesday and the next Tuesday, we're actually going to be performing at the vaccination clinic. Oh, wow. Uh, which is really very heartening for everyone to see. And in fact, when we did it last week, two of our young members just got their first COVID jabs. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Yes. So, it, you know, it's been a really kind of a, a, a wonderful symmetrical opportunity. And, and for our students, it's very meaningful to get back to that sort of existential question. Well, playing for patients who are so visibly moved by what you do mm. and they play at such a high level for many is kind of it, it's such a wonderful ratification of their choice yes it's you know it's beautiful just to visualize it and when i first heard about it i thought wow this is talk about outreach <laughs> you know what i yeah. mean community outreach by any chance, do the um, does the general public get to hear the heartstrings performances at all, or is it simply the not patient? really? Except for we're going to we're going to play on the twenty seventh of April to play in the atrium ah, at, at Augusta gotcha. Health. So, and we're also doing. I have to mention to give a real shout out to another partnership that we is making the air program possible, which is the Blackburn Inn and Conference Center. This is the the new creative adaptive reuse of the old Western State Hospital grounds uh, oh. in Stanton. Oh, yes, right? yes. Right, and, and uh, the original buildings, by the way, were built in 1830 by Thomas Blackburn, who was an amanuensis, you can look that one up, mm -hmm. uh, Thomas Jefferson, a uh, promising young architect, and uh, the buildings are beautiful. And now they've been slowly redeveloping each one of the buildings on the campus. Wow. And at the inn itself, 
our Aries are performing every Friday at 5 p.m. They do a cocktail hour performance. And uh, they're up in the upper little art gallery at the, at the hotel, and you can hear the sounds all over the hotel mm. with their great string quartet playing. It's really, I mean, it's beautiful to hear all of this, because as you say, we have been, and I've, I've been lucky, as I know you could understand, because I, I've been doing so much writing lately, and because of radio, I can work out of my home studio. I don't really have to go anywhere. Uh, for days at a time. But when I think of all the people who must go out, you know, frontline workers and essential workers, it's been a challenge. And to hear beautiful music has got to be uh, rejuvenating. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, very well said. Well, is the air a program, because it's new, it it came after Heartstrings. Is it sort of... They're they're combined. Oh, okay. Heartstrings is the is the uh, of the overall air program heartstrings is the kind of the portion that is dedicated to uh, support of the community at augusta health okay so there must be some kind of combo leadership team between augusta health and and the yes that's actually been one of the other the other real kind of benefits of this is that you know, it's funny how a pandemic can make, make you do things that you've yes. really needed to do all I have along. Lo- I have lots of showbiz friends who say that to me. I can't yeah. agree more. Go ahead. Well, so, I, you know, since coming to Stanton, uh, I've had people urging me and I've been thinking, like, you know, we really ought to find a way to do more with, a, with the hospital. What could that be? Mm. And, you know, and that got sort of filed away like, well, yeah, I'll think about that tomorrow. i got to get this budget done or whatever. <laughs> um, but then once we st- – basically – once the doctors and the nurses got involved, it happened. Yes. And now, I mean, I think about the fact that I'm on a first-name basis with a dozen people at Augusta Health, mm. um, when before all I all I knew was the CEO with Rotary Club meetings. Yes. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's what you really want in a partnership, where it isn't just the two heads that talk to each other, but you actually have this integration across all kind of different levels. Excellent. And I'm sure that's happening. I know there's a Dr. Clint Merritt involved, and Shelley Payne is the director of recreational yeah. therapy. And so, yeah. so no, they're yeah. amazing people. And, you know, Dr. Merritt is one of these people where uh, he has, he is so beloved, if I can use that word, through the community because of mm-hmm. his, his real sensitivity to the needs of the community and how, and what, what a hospital like a school represents to to a community, you know, and it's so much a sign of the health of the community is is the health of their of institutions like that. Yes. Well, I know uh, I'm at the risk of repeating, um, of forcing you to repeat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> What's the Heifetz summer music experience going to be in 2021? Is it a hybrid or what? Yeah. So, um, well, our program for the younger kids, the PEG program for kids 9 to 13 that are really advanced string players, that will occur only online. Uh-huh. Uh, we paused it last year. This year we're going to have it online because in a year's time, we think that with all their learning online, that our students at that age cohort know perfectly well how to do things over Zoom. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> That's and, and for our main program, Something you said earlier, Marcello, really, I think, is I, I have to completely endorse, which is 
that a lot of the things that we learned last summer doing a completely virtual institute will stay with us and will be a permanent part of how we operate going forward. Yes. One of the observations of our music director was that we actually lowered the barrier to access to the Institute because of course not every student, you know, in Malaysia can come to Stanton, Virginia. Yes. So we will continue to have for some students a completely online program. But for the bulk of our students, they will have three weeks in person and three weeks online. Okay. All right then. Looking back, and this is another thing I'm, I'm, uh, you have covered certainly, but I just want to hear it again, if uh, forgive me, but looking back uh, to 2020, especially the summer of 2020, how in general terms do you feel the Heifetz International Music Institute survived and thrived and, and how it helped Stanton and the larger community do the same? Well, I think, for one thing, just a, I think a determination to keep the lights on yes. was, was yes. I think, for others, you know, that, I mean, I, I think we saw a lot of uh, organizations, particularly arts organizations, sort of take two, two tracks, either to kind of hunker down in their bunkers and wait for the, you know, the sandstorm to blow past them. How's that for a tortured metaphor? Yes. Um, or to basically sort of bravely get up and figure out, you know, if you keep your back to the wind and you do this and do that, maybe you can actually advance a little bit. Yeah. So I think that that was probably helpful. I mean, we did manage to put on 49 concerts in our digital concert hall. We had magnificent support from our donors. Believe it or not, we actually got more in individual contributions last year than the year before. I believe that. I believe that because what we are saying, you and I, about the institutions making choices on how to move forward, how to survive a pandemic. Those kinds of decisions were made by individuals as well. And and people tend to, especially Americans, I must say, one thing I love about us most is that when times are tough, I mean, we don't always get along, that's for sure, but when times yeah. are tough, emergencies make strange bedfellows. Oh, uh, that's, that, that's right. No, I, I think about the fact that you know, growing up as a New Englander who are not known as being particularly friendly people. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that the, the neighbor that, that uh, you would exchange grunts with uh, in the summer months mm -hmm. would be the first person to pull you out of the snowbank. Yes, you know? yes, absolutely. So, you know, and, and, you know, there's been an awful lot of that pulling together. I have to say our faculty, Marcello, was magnificent. We did not lose a single faculty member, even though most of them the idea of teaching online for them was anathema. Yes. Um, but they they basically said, they said, you know, if you're going to do it, we're in. We're in. So uh, it was a magnificent kind of, because everybody had to grow and to learn new things. Oh, yes, yes. But I think that, that is also kind of the, the, the trust and faith and belief that we have in their teaching ability is rewarded by their support of the institution. Yes. All right, we really must go, Ben, Benjamin K. Rowe, the president and CEO of the Heifetz International Music Institute in Stanton, Virginia. But I wonder, before we go, give us some contact information. When does your summer season start? What's your website? You know, who do we call? Well, our summer season is <laughs> going to have an interesting little kickoff. We're going to do a, a uh, we're going to continue with our Sunday afternoon, what we're calling the Spring Eternal Concert Series. Mm -hmm. And that will go all the way to May 16th, and then we're going to do a 
a Memorial Day hoot nanny for Memorial Day weekend, mm. which should be a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, a new summer stage uh, outdoor concert series with the Blackburn Inn, and then our our Heifetz Summer Festival proper, our Festival of Concerts as we call it, will begin on the 29th of June. So you can circle your calendar and find all the information at heifetzinstitute.org. Okay. And Heifetz, of course, H-E-I-F-E-T-Z. That's right. All right, Ben, thank you so much for being on the show. And do come back very soon so we can get the latest. Um, Great. Which reminds me, my hat off to your marketing guy, Andrew. I can't remember his last name. Isn't it Andrew? Andrew Green. Andrew Green, yes. He yeah. uh, he keeps me on my toes. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I'll and, let him know. Yes, do please. I'm grateful to him as I am for you and all those at the Heifetz Institute. Uh, Nicholas, remember us to Nick Kitchen and uh, everyone else, okay? Wonderful. Thank right. you so much. My pleasure. You take care. All right. Bye now. Bye now. Hi, I'm Marcello Rolando of Rolando and Dresner Productions. Introducing our new musical dramedy, A Little Place Called Earth, book by Marcello Rolando and music and lyrics by Larry Dresner. And here, from A Little Place Called Earth, is It Will All Work Out, music and lyrics by Larry Dresner. My life was nice and cozy With the sun around me then I felt a raindrop And the skies were suddenly all cloudy Now here I'm standing In the rain, no umbrella No overcoat, no money Sometimes forced to sing in a cappella Before you lose your temper And your mind gets in a flurry Just tell yourself, no honey Never cry and never, never starts to bellow I don't know what to do now everything's gone crazy I don't know where to go now cause my dream has gotten dim and hazy sometimes you're dealt a bad hand but you keep on playing I know you're not a quitter listen now to what I'm Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us in becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. 
missing you and us too. There was little reason for my grandmama to leave her huge farm to go into town a few miles away for groceries, gasoline, farm equipment, overalls, and newspapers. Now I only go back for the funerals and do hear on the breeze what I've missed. I'm not into romanticizing the past. Believing things, for the most part, are always improving. Until G.W. and Cheney, of course. As long as what's new doesn't obliterate what's been with what's coming round the bend. I don't miss Mayberry or my slumlord friends on Shelter Island, but I do miss New York City neighborhoods, walking city blocks, and being constantly in rehearsals for something. I miss Gypsy and Heinrich, best and worst watchdogs respectively. Don't miss Dad and Mom so much as it still feels like they're here. But I do miss people who trim their trees back from power lines, so when the winds come, we keep our A.C. I miss hailing a yellow cab for Carol Channing, strolling Midtown with Colin Dewhurst, and chatting with James Whitmore about the next voice you hear. He said I was too young to have seen it, but while other boys my age were outside playing ball, I was watching old movies on TV. Mr. Whitmore was so proud of the fact that he had made the movie with Nancy Reagan before she met Ronnie. But I told him I would never forget what it felt like when God spoke to him on his radio. I miss that. I miss taking time to tune up with morning prayers and reel-to-reel Gregorian chant. I don't miss fast cars and curvy roads, for that's still how I relax. I miss Jimmy Stewart and Harvey. Yul Brenner and the American Original Six. Gregory Peck, whom Mom told, my son is an actor too. I never miss Florida, except when I think of hurricanes 250 miles offshore pinning me against the lifeguard chair, streaking back my hair with beach sand, my lips rimmed like a margarita glass, and the ocean some distance away lapping occasionally at my toes, as a seagull above makes no headway because of headwinds. I miss the silence that can only be heard without the din, and I miss people who understand the wisdom in that. I miss Marvine's white boots as much as our drama classes. I miss my voice lessons with Wayne and Ernie, and both the Peabody and Baltimore Opera in the days of George Woodhead and Bill Januzzi, the only man who smoked more cigarettes than my 61-year-old brother, just diagnosed with the lungs of an 80-year-old. I miss him already. For me, missing is more happy memories than sad longing. But I do miss not seeing my best friend Lance Thomas Viney. However, I don't miss the Silver Diner, his favorite dining choice. I do miss my annual trips to Europe, but it was a wonderful career that suspended them, so we make our choices. I miss dates on letters even to find telephone numbers on bills, and I miss sleeping more than five hours a night. But most of all, I miss who we were in the sixties. I miss Abraham, Martin, and John, and Bobby, too. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you. 
Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world.